Um, and one of my, one of the reasons why I've loved beginning to work with executives and people in leadership so much is that the healthier that they get, the more their business grows. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. How can one conversation and a series of conversations make the difference in your organization? What benefits might executive coaching and executive therapy have for business owners, leaders, and their teams? How can conversations and mental exercises help to motivate employees, enhance morale and working conditions, and lead to an even more productive and profitable organization? Today, we welcome therapist, speaker, author, and mental health expert, Mandy Morris, to the program. Mandy is also the co-founder of the Mosaic Counseling Group, where she supports executives and leaders from various industries. We hope that you greatly benefit from our discussion today. Mandy, welcome to the program. How are you today? I'm good, David and Danny. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited about this conversation. This is Danny, and from time to time, as David and I are speaking, we'll try to do our best to remind our audience who's asking, asking the questions today. Uh, we all know and hear how mental wellness is more important now than ever before, especially in the light of the health pandemic and current world environment there seems to be more and more pressure perceived and felt by leaders of organizations. It can be a struggle to balance all of this, all of the responsibilities, and still to be a positive role model for your own team. However, it's important to know that you don't have to feel alone in your leadership journey. There are many resources specifically geared towards helping CEOs and business founders thrive in their roles. Mandy, you've worked with and you have served a many majority of great organizations such as Apple, BET, Revolt, MTV, including city officials like mayors and governors. How can working with a professional such as yourself help leaders with their business grow exponentially? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, since the pandemic, mental health uh, problems, issues, all of that has increased by 500%. And so it's, I mean, that's everybody, you know, and just because you're in a, uh, you run a business or you're in a place of leadership doesn't mean that you have it all together. I don't know of anyone who does. And if they say they do, then I'm not going to believe them um, because it's just not true. And, um, but we know that how we are doing internally affects every aspect of our life. You know, we all play different roles. You know, you might be a, a husband or a wife, and then you're also maybe a executive, and then you're a friend, and then you're whatever all these roles are. And 
how you are doing mentally and emotionally will directly impact all of that. Um, and one of my one of the reasons why I've loved beginning to work with executives and people in leadership so much is that the healthier that they get, the more their business grows. You know, now you're learning not to make emotional decisions and and things that people say, well, I'm fine. I'm good enough. I don't have any like severe problems, but your business isn't growing quite the way you want it to, or your framework is not working that well. I mean, all of that is going to play into whatever blocks or barriers that you see or don't see that having a coach or a therapist to help you understand your own psychology and break through that stuff can not only make things so much more free and manageable in your personal life, but in your business life too. This is awesome. This is Danny again. I love how you brought that up because I like to think of therapy sort of like a coach as well. We think about all these athletes are the best in the world, number one tennis player, number one golf player. Mm -hmm. But then we think about what gets them over. There's one thing when you have physical talent, innate talent, you're born with it. But to sustain that and to continue to win, you have to have a coach to help you get through the mental barrier. And I love how you also talked about bringing it over to the C-suite, bring it over to leaders. When a leader is healthy, when a leader has the therapy that he or she needs, all the people underneath them benefit. I love that. So yeah. therapy is not just something you need or you use when things are going well. Therapy can be a strategic component of maintaining good health, good mental health. How do you communicate the value of what you do and get HR and members of the C-suite to implement therapy and mental health coaching? Better yet, can you speak about your process or methodology when you work with these members in the C-suite or with HR to implement therapy and mental health coaching as part of the day-to-day -day activity needed for employee development? Sure, absolutely. I've been doing this for a long time and it took me a while to be okay with, if I'm being completely honest, calling myself a coach because I was like, I'm a therapist. I went to school for all these things. and But the reality is, and I hope this changes, that a lot of people, a lot of executives, C-suites, higher leadership, the word therapy or therapist is still kind of, there, there's a, um, like a, stigma and intimidation maybe I don't know depending on the person and so um, it feels a little safer if you will to to lean in as a coach but really the the beauty of what I do is that um, and there is a difference between therapy and coaching 100% and in the coaching you know we do mindset coaching business coaching strategic coaching all of that and then there is therapy component for when something comes up and that's a that's a line that a lot of coaches can't go into. And there is no line for me with that. I don't have to refer anybody out for that. But to answer your question about, you know, getting them on board, uh, it's so far I've been fortunate to my clients that I've have all been word of mouth. And so I think when these leaders or these friends who are also, you know, executives are talking with each other and allow each other to be a little more vulnerable, you they see that they have issues. And then the ones who have seen me were like, oh, you should see her. Um, and so that usually serves as a pretty easy gateway. But on the other hand, like going into uh, a company I don't know, or working with someone for the first time that we just met, um, the initial process is I 
just do a huge intel intake on all the information of their business, their personal life. Um, I, I have my own psychological assessment on the business um, and on that person's own psychology around things because there's things that may be going on that they don't even see that are creating issues. And so what I've created is a program called Success DNA. It can, it can be done in a group or retreat individual. This is a three-phase thing. Um, and that first phase is understanding their operating system, the way in which you operate. And to understand your operating system, that means that your life experiences, those have formed certain neuro pathways, neuro networks, and it's created beliefs that you have about yourself that you operate out of. And 95% of our brain is subconscious long-term memory. What you and I are doing right here, right now is 5% of our brain. And so while we don't want to stay stuck in the past about anything, the reality is, is that the past is present, whether we like it or not. And those things still affect how we perform, how we function, the level on which we do that at. And uh, so often self-sabotaging behaviors are in place that people don't even know that they're doing um, that is keeping them from moving forward because of these beliefs that exist. So we break down, we understand your psychology, where it comes from, what those beliefs are, and then set up, uh, look at where are you acting out in these, these unhealthy beliefs or these self-limiting beliefs or wh whatever you want to call it. And we create where all the barriers are that we're seeing or unseen. Um, and then from there, we create the new operating system. So uh, almost like a software update, if you will, of what's going to be a more optimal self in the workspace, in your personal life. Um, and then from there, we work through what does accountability going to look like with this? And what does, you know, the, the very practical pieces and how you then operate with other employees. So it goes through a whole uh, program like that. And I call it success DNA because you are literally operating out of your genetic DNA and your wiring, your brain wiring that's, you know, that got evolved from your upbringing. And a lot of times we have to unlearn things mm -hmm. that used to serve us well, that don't serve us well anymore. And so then that's where the new operating system comes into place. I love how you brought it into um, software and computer programming. I know I just updated my iPhone last night to 16. Uh, so it, it helps really our users understand. Mm -hmm. right? Joe Dispanza, Dr. Joe Dispanza also says that, um, uh, when they wire to when they fire together, they wire together. Yep. So it's it's really yep. cool to be able to see you connect the business world, the IT world, technical world all together. We'll be right back after this short break. I am delighted to announce that App Meetups customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, Finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs.
Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. I love how this discussion is revealing that Mandy's work is to relate where they are, their environment, their situation, their world, and to be able to help them to understand the framework of their mind. This is that success DNA. And the fact that if I'm a, a C-suite member, if I'm a type A person, Mandy, I'm already loving it. Success DNA. Yeah, of course right. it's in my DNA. Of course, everything in my being is about being successful. But the reality is that there are aspects within us from the framework of our own thinking that actually sabotage us. It actually prevents us from being our best. And this is what you do. You you deal with these areas from, let's say, the fear of failure. And yes, the fear of success. You've got the imposter syndrome. I'm not worthy of where I am. Maybe, maybe I'm not meant to be where I am. I'm not intelligent enough. I've not been experienced enough. You're dealing with burnout. We talk about that balance that these executives are finding. We're talking about stress. And, I, and I'm going to ask you about stress in a minute. But then we talk about these negative beliefs. I love how you said we're reframing, reprogramming, so to speak, their mm-hmm. mindset. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that you said there's their own operating system and there's three phases. What are those three phases specifically or those three steps in that success DNA? Uh, is it just the discovery, the, um, I want to say, coming up with a, a, a plan or a solution going forward? to counteract some of those or what, what's the three steps specifically? So the phases have lots of subcategories and I have an acronym for success DNA that I'll, I'll share. But so essentially the first um, phase is the, you know, the subsurface exploration. So that's the S in success. And then from there we uncover triggers. Um, we look at compounded life experiences um, and then that's the first phase. And then we go into the second phase, which is considering your current problems, engaging in solutions, uh, set up accountability traps, and then we challenge old operating system, um, the, the old beliefs that were there. And so then the last phase is the, the new DNA, right? So it's the destroying the destructive patterns, figuring out what those will be for you specifically, um, how to, what that means for navigating new neural pathways, tendencies for your brain to go back into old ways of thinking. Um, and so I talk heavily on very practical ways that it feels like you're not fighting against yourself, but you can then operate in a new way that builds new neural pathways. And then essentially activate this new system into uh, strategic steps for your business and personal life, depending on what they're wanting. This is Danny. I love how you you brought that up because to me, it's so important. I feel optimism when you say that because it tells me I can reprogram. Yeah. That what code, what program, what software, what operating system I have, I have doesn't and will not define me going forward. Yeah. I love the fact that there is optimism built into what you have stated. I love the fact that you're 
you have the three-step process, what makes it simple, helps me to understand where I'm at and where I need to go. Let me ask you this question. What is the difference between anxiety and depression? And how much, how much of this is being able to predict or control the future? And how can we control less so that we have less anxiety? And I know a lot of leaders, they, they try to control the future. They try to predict the growth of the company. They try to predict a lot of things. And, and when you're a type A player and you're, you're expecting things to go to your way all the time because you have a fixed mindset, it's hard to have all this control and things not go your way. So there's this sense of depression that happens with leaders. And so what is the difference between depression and anxiety when it comes to this process? Yeah, so that's a good question. And I want to speak specifically for what it looks like in high-performing people, because that looks much different than it might with some other individuals or, you know, in society. And there's a range of how people, um, what they show if they're depressed or anxious. But so anxiety essentially is the the fear of the unknown, right? And we're all afraid of the unknown, of fear of uncertainty. But what happens with anxiety is it can it can happen because of two, two different ways. Either your brain picks up on something in your environment that feels like a threat. And, and, and so then it fires your fight or flight system, right? So this, you know, this is the system in place that back in the day, if there was a saber-toothed tiger, you would run. And you would have all the adrenaline you would need to do that. Um, and so that those chemicals that get released, there's a beginning, a middle, and end. However, with people who have chronic anxiety, they feel the very visceral, physical feelings of anxiety, tight chest, you know, uh, jittery, shaky, faint, even hard time breathing. These are all symptoms that you would have if you were literally fleeing for your life. Um, and so there's that. And then the other way anxiety happens is through our cognitions, through how we think that a habit of worry, a habit of worst case scenarios, a habit of um, all the uncertainty and staying focused, keeping your mind in the future too much, essentially is the other way that anxiety gets activated. Um, and for most of the executives who struggle with this, um, that might look like perfectionism that might look like control that might look like uh you know staying up to all hours tonight because you got to get whatever done um and we call that high functioning anxiety so that's you know that's something that really plays a huge role in a lot of our leadership and then also with depression you know executives are some of the loneliest people you know the responsibility is all on them that's a huge weight to carry. Well, it feels like it's all on them. And depression starts to make us question our, our worth and value sometimes. It zaps you of your energy. Um, if it feels like it's a struggle to get out of bed and go to work, but you do it anyway, I mean, that can be an indicator. Um, and then with depression, it's more of a habit of negative thinking, negative thinking about yourself, about others, about the world. And with men in particular, a lot of times depression can look like anger. Mm. And 
because men have more testosterone, it can come out that way. And so if there's a high levels of anger going on, that actually is probably more of an indication of depression. And then that is also very high functioning. So these people can do their jobs and all of that, but can just maintain that. Um, it's almost like it shouldn't feel that life shouldn't feel this hard, um, essentially. Mandy, this is David. And I'm going to really throw something out for our listening audience today. If you're listening today, we are with Mandy Morris. She's a therapist and a great executive coach for um, we call executives and high-driven performers. Mm -hmm. I love that you said that sometimes depression can be a reflection of loneliness and the pressure that these executives feel. So just because someone's mad doesn't necessarily mean they're mad at you or they're mad at something that's not going right. It's that they don't necessarily know how to process or share where they are in that state, right? And I love that you did that. I, I want to ask something interesting here, just something that came to my mind because my focus is dealing with executives, C-suite members, business owners that want to become better speakers, better communicators. They want to increase their influence. When you're talking about anxiety, there are a lot of executives that do not like speaking. And I had one client here in Maryland that would not speak to his company for nothing. He had his COO, he had directors speak. And one day he said, I don't know what it is. When I'm in my desk, when I'm in my office, I can do anything. But when I get before people, mm -hmm. I freeze. How do you help executives overcome that aspect of anxiety to become better speakers? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So yeah, that's going to relate directly back to performance-based anxiety. And you know, speakers struggle with this, athletes, musicians, any sort of performance base when you're in front of other people and you have to be on. So I, I like to think of, so anxiety, depression, um, all of these are symptoms of an issue. Anxiety isn't the issue in and of itself. Anxiety sucks. <laughs> we want to find strategies to regulate and to calm that down. But the reason it's happening to begin with is of a belief that that person is holding about themselves as they step onto the stage or as they step up in front of people. For instance, uh, I know of a executive that I worked with who had this struggle and he, he felt like he would be perceived as not really knowing what he's talking about. So the belief he was carrying was, I'm not really that smart. I'm not the expert. And he, and, and again, it's just in these moments, you don't always feel like that, but when something triggers you, like having to go on stage. And so trying to understand what the belief is you're operating out of is crucial because we can, we, I can give you breathing strategies. We can do grounding techniques. We can do all the things, you know, you know, telling yourself a different story, you're, you know, recognizing when it's your anxiety brain versus uh, your more accurate, realistic brain. But those are going to serve as band-aids until you deal with the core issue, which is the belief of why that fear is beginning or has happened to begin with. Andy, this is Danny. And I appreciate you bringing that up. And I love how you're always tying corporate culture athletes and all that stuff because it gets back to the mindset and everything else and i love how you're always talking about the performance aspect because a lot of us that are corporate leaders we do have this performance mentality and and so it's 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 this thing i like to tell myself it's okay yeah <laughs> you know yeah. it's okay yeah and sometimes i think we get so high strong we forget to say that it's okay right now 
back to the corporate world, we often hear about the importance of corporate culture. Um, what, what is a psychologically safe environment? What does that look like? And how can this be supportive of an inclusive workplace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. And there's, I think there's a ton of components that go into that. I, I believe fully that that starts though with emotional intelligence and having good emotional intelligence trainings in your programs. And um, with that, obviously executives, these high driven performers, business owners, entrepreneurs, it's all about the bottom line. And unfortunately, because everything becomes about the bottom line and, and sales and all of that, that, you know, people are quick to be fired, or if you if you don't make X amount of sales, then there's some sort of punishment, if you will. And this sort of environment is not is not going to be successful long term. And you know, there's lots of uh, people in leadership who don't feel like emotions shouldn't matter because you don't want to make emotional decisions or have it brought into it. But the reality is is that we're emotional beings. We are emotional beings that think, not the other way around. Our limbic system is where emotions are that goes from the top of our head to the tips of our toes and we feel everything and we can't escape it. You know, and actually there's research that emotional intelligence is responsible for 58% of success in the business place. And the, what was it? The World Economic Forum, they ranked emotional intelligence as one of the most important skills to have by 2025. There's the companies who have implemented good emotional intelligence, intelligence training, uh, they usually increase their income by at least 12%. Mm. So when, when this gets put on the back burner, you're actually being counterproductive, even though you feel like you're doing the productive thing by keeping it very, uh, you know, emotions out of it, logical you know, all of that. And emotional intelligence is nothing to do with, you know, having this emotional experience. It's an ability. It's an ability that you can learn. It's not a tendency. And it has four components that you perceive emotions. You know how to perceive emotions in yourself and in others, use emotions, understand them, and then manage them. And that could be managing them, managing them in other people, managing them in yourself, uh, when you relate to somebody on an emotional level, they trust you more if you're going to buy from them, you know, and, you, and you're going to know what to do if your, you know, coworker, colleague starts to break down in tears in the middle of a meeting and, you know, all these things that can happen because we're humans. Um, and so, you know, to create a good culture there, or to psych- psychological safety and a, and a good culture there, the emotional intelligence is key. Yeah. And when that foundation can begin, then people innately, you know, innately are going to feel more safe because no one wants to feel like it's not safe to feel, you know, or to be judged for their emotions. And everything we do is going to have some sort of emotional signal and you may stuff it down and ignore it. Um, You may go on very robotically, mechanically, and feel like it's not going to bother you. But the reality is, is that it shows up in our body somewhere. It shows up in stress. This is why so many executives will have their panic attack within their first five years of being an executive um, and burnout happens and all these things. And so uh, there's so much that can go into psychological safety, but I believe that this is the foundation of it. This is David, Mandy, and I'm 
really inspired by what you shared. And for a lot of our audience, at least for the audience that Dan and I focus on primarily, they love numbers. They love statistics. You want to know how, how is this episode we're listening to going to impact my business? How is it going to improve my ability to close more deals? And it's going to help me increase my ability to capture more opportunities. Well, Mandy just shared. If you are able to have a high EQ, emotional intelligence, if you can increase this ability, it will help you 12%. I mean, I, I started looking at numbers, I say, okay, 5%, 6%, no, 12% more success when you can learn to heighten your awareness, when you can be more in touch with empathy and understanding how to connect with people on an emotional level. I love that. And so Mandy, I wanna bring up something you mentioned earlier in our conversation. And Dan actually touched on this when he talked about positive psychology. Can you talk about what positive psychology is and how you tie positive psychology, the, the neuroscience you mentioned earlier in the practice for someone who's like myself, motivated. I, I like inspirational mm -hmm. themes. I love motivational quotes. How do you tie in positive psychology and neuroscience to helping these high performers uh, to really capture and do better in their in their own roles? Yeah, great question. And so positive psychology, the short version of what it is, it's, it's a scientific study of positive aspects of the human experience that make life worth living. So I am not a fan of um, these fluffy positive affirmations that we try to tell ourselves that we don't really believe. I think they're, they're good and they have their place for sure, but th this is not what positive psychology is. Um, it is it is almost like mastering the silver lining, right? And it's being able to reframe things in a way that help you and not hurt you. So when I bring up like negative thoughts, you know, um, which could be, you know, anything from, man, I know this isn't going to go well later, or why did I do that? I'm such an idiot or whatever the, whatever the negative internal dialogue is, um, the ability to observe your own thoughts, to notice them, and then to see if the way in which you're thinking is even helping you because negative thoughts have no value. They don't get you into problem solving mode. They, even if they are accurate, there's always a different way to reframe and to look at it. So essentially, you know, positive psychology helps you reframe things in a way that benefit you so that you don't stay stuck in the hamster wheel. And we don't want to be stuck in that hamster wheel because mm -hmm. so many of our duties and things that we go through can feel like that. Mm -hmm. And we've got to know that that process that we put in place or whatever we've established is going to help us to further our objectives, help us to accomplish our goals. And that's why I enjoy the three step or the three phases of the success DNA, because it helps me to feel like we're moving down a path. We're getting somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned earlier that executives and high performers can be, uh, can express themselves through anger and, and not that they're intentional or wanting to be harmful towards anybody around them or to create that negative cloud in the room, so to speak. But what are some strategies or tips that you provide as an anger management specialist to help them to de-escalate when they're starting to feel that bubbling inside, that, mm -hmm. that tension that wants to explode? How do you help them to do that without, uh, let's say, uh, going back to reframing or being grounded or breathing exercises? How do you get them to go, wait a second, capture where you're at, that's a trigger. Um, mm -hmm. this is how you're getting angry. Let's go ahead and turn down that heat. Let's walk yeah. backwards. What do you, what are some of the things that you do 
uh, without giving your entire playbook <laughs> to our audience. Sure. Yeah. And, and this is kind of going to tie back into emotional intelligence. And so it's under, being able to perceive and understand your own emotions. So emotions are not good or bad, right or wrong, strong or weak. They are signals that go off because of something internally or externally going on. And they're automatic. And that's why it's important to never judge yourself for how you feel or be too quick to react to it, but to just notice it and observe. Because the good thing about anger is that usually starts with frustration and then it moves into anger but frustration happens for two reasons well the main two reasons that's unmet needs and unfulfilled expectations so if you're frustrated or you're angry that's that's a good check what expectation isn't being met or what need is not being met and those are the things that need to get communicated you know, I'm frustrated because my expectation was this and this didn't happen, or I needed this, but maybe it wasn't communicated. And so it can be a really good reflective tool to get you back on track. You know, and sometimes we're angry because there's been an injustice or something's not fair. Either way, the moment you start to feel yourself viscerally getting mad, like the heart rate goes up, Maybe the palms get sweaty. Some people clench their jaws and their fists and all of that stuff. Um, whatever your physiological response is, that right there is the time to call a timeout on yourself. Or if you see someone who is physically angry, because what's happening is all the blood flow in your body is going to your extremities. So your arms and your legs, that's why it feels good to throw things, to kick things sometimes, to yell. And then all the blood in your brain is going to this lower level functioning in the back. So you lose access to the upper level part of the brain, which is all of our decision-making, rational, rational thinking. So we do a lot of dumb things in the name of anger sometimes because so it when you start to feel it that's the time to call a timeout and to not finish whatever sentence you're about to say <laughs> this is danny i love how you brought that up because we don't understand most of the time what what's actually taking place we only have the regret later on like oh my gosh i can't i believe i did this or i can't believe i said that what made me overcome what made me do that what there's all these things that are happening and as as you stated it's because the blood flow is going to the fight or the flight and mm -hmm. We don't know that the portion that's rational to think is not happening. Right. And I love the fact. We feel that very valid in what we're exactly, doing in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And oh, you know, one thing I love is the vulnerability. If you, if you realize how powerful words are and how much damage it can inflict on somebody compared yeah. to a physical wound that heals, mm -hmm. a psychological wound that does not heal for a long, long time, yeah. it's okay to say, you know, at this moment, I'm starting to lose myself. I'm going to excuse myself and I'll come back when I'm ready in the right frame of mind to continue mm -hmm. this conversation. Yeah. And I know it's so hard for people to do that because they want to win, right? We're all winners. Right. We want to win this conversation. We want yeah. the argument. But if we know by looking outside, you said looking out in like the frame, if you can just see from an outside perspective, what's going on, then we should be humble enough to just say, Hey, at this moment, I'm not in the right frame of mind. Yeah. I need to take a step back. I'll get back with you when I'm able to focus. Mm -hmm. And I think if we could do that, there would be so many relationships that would be saved. There's so many business relationships that can be saved. And at the end of the day, there's less regret later on, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad that you brought that up because with anger, 
exactly what happens is either you want to be right or you want to win and it's not about right or wrong it's not about winning or losing it's about relationships and it has to be about relationships and because if it's not about relationships then your turnover rate is going to be huge and then the people that you're partnered with or who are clients of yours that's not going to last for very long. And so it can never be about that. And that's where a lot of people have a hard time putting the ego aside and come down from that because there's this feeling of needing to be right. Um, when there's always room to negotiate, there's always room for understanding and exploration, but that will be a relationship killer, which will ultimately cost you in the long run. This is Danny, and I appreciate you doing that breakdown because you're absolutely correct. It will cost you in the long run. Now, I want to uh, talk about this acronym, EMDR. Mm -hmm. And for our audience, it's called Eye Movement yeah. Desensitization. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Reprocessing Training. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> How can this be beneficial for executives, uh, specifically those in the C-suite? Yeah. So I love EMDR. Um, just real briefly, the history on it, this has been out for a long time. The, the long longitudinal research that came from it came out in the um, late 90s, early 2000s. And what uh, they found is that bilateral movement actually uh, moves certain neuropathways into the correct part of the brain that are causing you anxiety or stress or depression, whatever it may be. And they found in the study back then that what used to take, and, and most of the participants were all, you know, soldiers or veterans or people coming back from the war, things like that. Um, what used to take a year and a half to two years of traditional talk therapy to deal with post-traumatic stress, um, anywhere from six to 18 sessions, depending on the person and the complexity of the issue. So it's a very fast process. Um, it's the thing that I use to help people get unstuck from something that talking through won't just do because this is a neurological process. It's very cool. Essentially, bilateral movement helps activate your mind's problem-solving ability. How I explain it best is in, in REM sleep cycle, our mind organizes information and it gets rid of what it doesn't need and keeps what it does. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 
for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is a similar process. You're fully awake and in control. It's not hypnosis or anything like that. Um, But what happens is your mind sorts through all the irrational stuff. And the logical things actually feel true because you could know, like I can know I'm good enough, but I don't always feel that way. And so there's a disconnect from the mind and body. So this can look like a lot of things for uh, people in leadership. I know that there's um, many leaders who have a feel, fear of failure because at some point in their life, a failure happened that made them feel like they were a failure. And while you're not consciously thinking of that, there's certain things that will come up, like we were talking about before in the self-sabotaging behaviors, that if they keep engaging in the same thing, it's going to go back to a core belief issue that's not been processed the correct way. So I'll use EMDR with people to help them get past this stuck point and within a session or two, and then they don't even feel that way about themselves anymore because they see themselves through a more accurate lens. It's like, you would never tell your friend, yeah, man, your business isn't doing well, you're a failure. No, you would never tell them that. But yet it feels that way because of experiences. Um, Usually the question I'll ask is, what's the earliest time you remember feeling that way? And it'll go back to some earlier time where the origin of that belief happened that's still being played out in a subconscious way. And so um, EMDR essentially for, you know, isn't, okay, let's put it this way, is a 90% success rate. And with, if we're dealing, no, I use it for many things. The research is on post-traumatic stress, but I use it for almost anything that anyone wants to, to try to get unstuck from or move forward from or whatever it may be. But um, 90% effective for minimal to no more post-traumatic stress symptoms at all. And so I don't even like to put the word disorder on post-traumatic stress because it's not a disorder. It's a, it's a form of a brain injury, so to speak, um, where your ne- nervous system isn't what it was. And so this process helps heal that in a really quick way. This is David, and I appreciate you sharing that, Mandy. I've heard you share, Mandy, that you should lean into pain hmm. versus avoiding or stuffing pain. What does it mean to lean into pain? And you also said something that might be tied to this. You said that if we resist, it will persist, persist, or like if we resist pain, it's going to persist. So what does it mean to lean into pain? Yeah. So naturally, as humans, we want to avoid any pain and discomfort, um, which is where a lot of procrastination comes from. <laughs> the idea of doing something does not sound very uncomfortable or may cause some anxiety. So the tendency is to avoid. Um, or there's maybe a, a risk that you feel like you want to take, but are too afraid to take it because what if it doesn't work out or there's a rejection or whatever it may be. And the idea with this is to know that if you stay comfortable, you're never going to grow. Hmm. You know, it's, they can't coexist together. Um, and if you're okay with not growing, then fine, you can stay in your comfort zone. But what you'll find is that you, you will be in a very mundane life um, in your business or personally or whatever it may be. And so if staying comfortable equates 
to not growing, then naturally growth is going to be uncomfortable for a time, you know? And so knowing that you can tolerate that. So I lean into it by knowing that even if it's uncomfortable, I'll get through it. Even if I fail or I break something along the way, I can repair it. But if I don't take these risks, if I don't push myself in this way, if I don't go get the help I need to get that, you know, whatever it may be, then I'm just going to stay in the same place. And so you think it's a matter of thinking long-term reward instead of instant gratification. This is Danny. I love that breakdown. And you know what? The more, the more we're talking, the more I'm realizing we need to have like two or three more of these conversations with you yes. because there's so many that. leaders that are going to benefit from this conversation. Now, I know a lot of times we talk about bringing this into the corporate culture. We need to normalize mental health and therapy in the corporate culture. It's just, it's, a, it's an important need, uh, more so in other cultures than in America, but I yeah. think it's becoming more and more prevalent here in America. I knew when Dave and I were growing up uh, in our early years of our life, we, were, we actually lived overseas. And one of the great things I love about our relationship is that our parents took us all over the world. We lived in many different cultures and many different environments. And there's some cultures where they don't get into the top school or they don't receive yeah. that job or that promotion. Mm -hmm. uh, those individuals commit suicide. Mm -hmm. So how do we normalize mental health and therapy in the corporate environment? Because what if we don't want it to be known at a workplace that we're utilizing resources that are made available through our employer? Mm -hmm. How do we do this? Right. So the problem right there is if you don't want people to know. Because now, now the stigma, whether it's you're stigmatizing yourself or other people with it, this should be as common language as talking about what you did for your workout that day or going to the gym. I mean, the we learn, we had PE growing up, physical education in class, but there's no mental health education. Mental health, that term in and of itself has such stigma. Call it something different. Call it mental wellness. Call it, you know, emotional fitness, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but the reality is, is that this is something that affects everybody, no matter what your status is, no matter where you're from, no matter what race you are, what gender you are, it affects every single, every, everybody. And so if it's not being talked about and, and it's not made, and if you, your environment doesn't make it comfortable for someone to feel safe enough to talk about it, then there's a problem there. Um, and just by making resources available to people, by, you know, having conversations around, you know, having, you know, emotional check-ins or whatever it may be, or, hey, mental health affects all of us. Here's an open door policy. We will figure out if you need something, you know, um, asking people about how, instead of how are you doing, and this is like a simple thing, but because everyone's going to say, fine, I'm fine. I'm okay. But how are you feeling? You know, and and allowing for emotions to hold space yeah. in these environments because there is, and I don't remember the exact statistic, but um, depression in the workplace, uh, I think it in the course of a year has cost some companies up to 45,000 to 45 million dollars because of how it affects the individual, which then in turn affects the workplace and sales and all of that. And so if this isn't being addressed, not only is it not 
like it's not good for for yourself or for those that you work with, but it's also not helping you with your business to put your hand or your head in the sand around it. So if this can become a part of normal conversation and there can be systems in place to support people when they need it, mm. everyone's going to be happier. Right. This is David Mandy, and I appreciate you sharing that. And just for our listening audience, there are different tools in the toolbox. There are different strategies and what Mandy does is she figures out where her clients are at and understanding their framework of their mind. And then she implements the right type of strategies to help them work through these barriers to come up with these mechanisms when they see these triggers pop up and give them uh, the ability to work through that. And that's why I really love the ability to say, how do we tie in these different therapies? How do we tie in EMDR? And then for others that, that may not understand that th it is totally different then the, I think it's called EFT, the tapping is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're differentiating yeah. with the EMDR, with the both sides of the brain, you're getting the eyes to be moving in a certain way that when we process information, that we're learning to process it differently, that memory differently. Mm -hmm. And when you're processing it differently, it's going to reframe how you look at yourself, yep. how you think about yourself. And I love that she's touching on that. And so for those of you that are out there that may not be sure why you should look at therapy, understand what she said earlier, that this can impact the overall productivity and profitability organization. And this is why you're hearing more and more, especially in light of this pandemic, organizations investing in professionals like Mandy to come in and work with their high performers. So it's going to seem awkward at first. It's going to seem where it's like, oh gosh, I'm going in her office. I've got to go have this conversation. But then you start to realize it's freeing that it is a safe place. It is a safe opportunity for you to share where you are, what you're feeling. And when you feel like you're in a safe environment, you're going to be more productive. You're not going to feel like you're walking on eggshells. And that's what Mandy does in her work. So Mandy, can I ask you when it comes to organizations that are providing more of these resources, like you mentioned earlier, that are providing opportunities for you and your, your field of work, your colleagues to come in to set up shops, so to speak, are there any other policies or practices that organizations or HR leaders can implement to foster this spirit of good mental health? Are there any other things that they can do to make sure that that's safe? Yeah, so um, I think getting feedback from who you're working with, from who you spend a lot of time with at work, from other people, uh, you know, in terms of maybe a survey, things like that, an anonymous one, because people don't, they don't want to, they're less likely to be honest if they know that your name is going to, their name is going to be on it. Um, and, and I think just kind of going back to what I was saying before, having open conversation, make, you know, that weekly meeting, make it also a check-in of how everyone's feeling and, you know, and have the time to support each other if they need support in some way. You know, we try to, we think we can check our baggage at the door when we go to work, but it's just not the case. Um, and then that making sure that, because most companies have a certain amount of trainings or conferences that they do or internal coaching, whatever it may be, that emotional intelligence, uh, mental wellness, all of that is just as much a part of what is taught and trained as the other stuff. Manny, this is David again. And I, I want to ask if you don't mind a follow-up because we're talking about 
helping organizations create this corporate culture, or at least shape the corporate culture where this is safe, where the employees, the, the leadership teams, they can feel this sense of, I trust that what you're saying, or I trust that what I'm seeing or perceiving is going to be for not only your benefit, but for the overall organization. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be this sales environment that I've been used to when I was in the sales world, where if you don't hit your goals, there's this pressure, you're going to get fired, or you're going to be reprimanded, you're going to be given a, a, a PIP, right, a performance improvement plan. And, and so this is all stuff that I think is so valid. But what I'm hearing, though, in many, in many ways, be, beyond what we've been discussing is that for a lot of these managers, they don't have that training. If, right. if you're not there, Mandy, giving this insight, if you're not there providing this training, a lot of these managers don't know how to ask the right questions. They don't know how to really listen beyond words. And so I think that's the danger that I feel. It's not just, hey, Mandy, set up shop. I, I believe that there needs to be corporate training on managers, training on executives, or how to lead these meetings, how to have these discussions. Yeah. Because we don't want it to be where we don't have the same high expectations, right. but we want it to be where people can feel like, hey, if I'm at my best, performing at my best, the overall company is going to do their best. Do you provide any other type of trainings or what else can people get from working with you at a company? Yeah. Yeah, so myself and another colleague that I have, um, who I do this with some, so one of the things that we'll do is we'll go into companies and we will observe their framework. We will, we will study it, we will look at it, we'll observe it, and this usually happens because it's not working, mm -hmm. And but yet a lot of companies have put a lot of money into their framework and don't want to just scratch it, so then... I come in and we look at how to enhance it, what areas need to be tweaked. And so essentially we're coaching the coaches and training the trainers on how to do these things. Uh, so that's, that's one of the services that's provided. Can I ask this question, Mandy, before we go on here? There's, there's something you brought up that was interesting and I've done corporate uh, assessments and there are executives that will like to control the questions. Mm -hmm. And what I've often shared is if you control and you put all these different, uh, I don't even call it fields within the questionnaire, then you're going to know who's asking, who's responding, right? Mm -hmm. and, and there was one company where the company had only 20 something employees, 24 employees, and he wanted on their department. And I said, no, because in some of those departments, only two people. Right, right. And he's like, well, well, well it's going to help me to understand if it's the, this side of the house or that side. I said, no, it's not. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I said, you don't want that in there because people will not be honest. That's right. right? You want it to be so blind to where we truly say no one's going to know, no one's going to know. Mm -hmm. It's my job as the evaluator to take that information and to bring it back to you so you can see the true picture. And so that was something that was interesting. And so I'm glad you brought that up. How can executives and leaders of organizations learn more about you, Mandy? And how can they get a hold of you if they want to bring you up for a training or for an evaluation or consulting? Yeah. Uh, so my website, uh, mandythetherapist.com, that is uh, in a few days switching over to therapistmandy.com, but you can get to it by, by both links. Um, and on there, you can read all about me, my executive coaching uh, what the frameworks that I use with that, and then also therapy and EMDR. So my website has all of that, has my social media on it. Um, I do executive um, and mental health related posts on my uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. 
And so people can follow me there for that. And then obviously my website also has my contact information for how to set up a consultation call. You know, as leaders and of organizations, we identify stories that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. And often these stories prevent us from being our very best. And it's important to welcome conversations, conversations with professionals like Mandy to partner with us so that it can help us become more productive, happier, and fulfilled leaders. To learn more about Mandy, as she stated earlier, you could go to mandythetherapist.com, but I want to reframe the thinking right now for our listening audience. Remember this website, therapistmandy.com, <laughs> and then that's going to be the best way to get a hold of her. Mandy, thank you for joining my twin and I on our Oh, program. thank you so thank much. For sharing that with our audience. We do appreciate having you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.